our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors are, are invited to share, learn, and together make this a better world where light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word. Well, I'm excited about our guest today. And I know you always hear me say that, but I really am. Her name is Faith Brooks. That's Faith with two T's. So you can really remember that. And I had the honor of meeting her through a mutual associate, Mickey Mickelson from Creative Edge. And I am grateful that she's here in this space because she's got a lot of interesting things to, to talk to us about. Let me just tell you a little bit about her. She's beautiful. She's, she's a writer. She's a speaker. She is also a social worker and an activist. And she is a co-host of a podcast. Um, it is called the Melanated Faith Podcast. She engages in activism by working with various nonprofits to find all kinds of sustainable solutions to systemic issues. And she is also a strategist and a consultant for brands and influencers. And those of you who are looking for marketing ideas, I bet you she's got something to share. Um, she served for, or as a director of some programs and innovation like or Be The Bridge, a super important organization, especially during times where we've been so polarized that that Be The Bridge has been so inspirational to me. And she's also the director of Women's Empowerment, the Legacy Collective. And in addition to speaking and social media platforms to enliven collective uh, liberation centered on the sisterhood of Black women, Faith is crafting a communal space where Black sisters can explore rest, experience tenderness and softness. Oh, don't we all want that? She lives in Maryland with her husband, Marcel, and her fur baby, um, who's a puppy called Kobe. And when she isn't writing, she's hanging out with her family, who's very near and dear to her, and with her friends, or traveling to a new destination. And so Faith is the kind of person that would love to connect with you on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or Twitter. Um, so welcome, Faith. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So tell us about your your two books that um, you've written. They're, they're super interesting, and I can't wait for every, for everyone to hear about them. So um, I wrote the anti-racism journal that released first um, in the summer of 2022. And it really is just kind of like a culmination of the work that I've you know, been doing over the years and have put out there online and talked to people. And, you know, people would always say, I just I want to talk to you. I want to pick your brain. And um, I just I ran out of time and space to be able to do that with people um, in this phase of my life. And so I said, you know what, I should I should really take a lot of this work and um, put this in a journal. And so I really created a space where I could reflect um, on things and topics I feel like people should um, want to know about. You know, people are afraid of messing up. They're afraid of um, saying the wrong thing. And um, sometimes they're also 
afraid of speaking out. And so I just talk a lot about um, some of my own experiences and tie them in with um, some practical advice for people and questions so they can ponder what does it really look like to be anti-racist? What does it look like for them to actually um, change their life, really, Mm -hmm. for the better? So that's that journal. Um, I'm really passionate about it and I've had so much great feedback from people and how it's positively impacted their lives. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote a book that released um, last month Mm -hmm. in um, January and it's called Remember Me Now, A Journey Back to Myself and a Love Letter to Black Women. Um, it's a book that I wrote with black women in mind specifically, obviously anyone can read it, (laughs) but, um, I really wanted to write a book to my sisters. I have my own story, um, laced throughout it, but also, um, it really is a love letter to my sisters talking about our own ups and downs, joys, pains, and struggles. And, um, why it's really important to remember black women right now while we are here and not just when we're gone. Yeah. What inspired you to write that book? I was um, really inspired to write the book from watching how things played out with Breonna Taylor and um, after her death. um, And of course we found out months later and, um, and then seeing the police report list her injuries as none, it really struck me. And I thought, wow, is this what people think of, of Black women? Is this how we're viewed? Like our our injuries, our pain is just nothing. And so um, because, you know, Brianna wasn't um, that much younger than me, I started to think like, okay, if this was me, is that how I would be viewed? And so I just um, thought of the title, uh, Remember Me Now, and um, why... Um, it's important to remember black women and I just wanted to write a book that really called called people um, to the carpet to um, really think about us and um, to also reflect on the beauty of black women and hopefully that in sharing my story and perspective that would help other people grow as well so I hope that all people read the book um, and when black women read it I hope that black women feel seen and that they feel safe so yeah that's why I read yeah. it so what I hear you saying is it's not necessarily just for black women but what would make someone who wasn't a black female pick that book up do you think well you know this is what I've said to a few people who've asked me about this um, and I said it more, um, more frank on an, another podcast that I was on recently, but I said, you know, if people don't ask, you know, black women, um, you know, what made you want to read, eat, pray, love? Yeah. What made you like, like, you know, do you, um, that book isn't for you or whatever. Like people just don't ask that when mm-hmm. it's, when it's a white author, that's just right. the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, you know, just like any author wants everybody to read their book. Mm -hmm. um, That's the same thing for me. I want everybody to read the book, but I did write it to black women because Mm -hmm. I think our stories are oftentimes pushed to the side. I think they're ignored. I think we're, we're viewed as needing to be extra strong. There's not a lot of place for us to be soft. Um, And, and sometimes we're just, 
we're just living our lives. Actually, most of the times we're just living our life. We're just trying to make it through. We're trying to make it through, you know, uh, workspaces, corporate America, enduring stereotypes about who we are and what we are before we even open up our mouth. Right. And um, we just deserve, we deserve ease and softness and we deserve beautiful literary works of art that affirm and empower us Mm -hmm. and anyone who wants to read it can so um but i am really passionate about black women and um our beauty and what we offer to the world i think it's really important it is yeah and then about the um the journal right now that a lot of times when when people see books about any kind of racism and we we are seeing a time which is discouraging and and sad in a lot of ways where there's so much pushback about you know african-american literature and and um, we've had so many books uh, be banned at schools and libraries Mm -hmm. you know i i was grappling with the the issue because i confront some issues of racism in in a novel it's just a thriller novel and i was like man honey i was talking to my husband i was like imagine if my book was banned and he's like he's like girl you you just have to write your story and not worry about that right and he's like you don't know who whose lives um or whose life that book can touch through either nonfiction or fiction our words have so much power so in that journal i'm i'm just believing that it's not just for white people who are racist because a lot of times when things like that happen or come out people just assume that that's what it's about mm-hmm. how would you defend that i mean everybody has their own personal biases that they have mm-hmm. to address right and so i think it's just it the journal creates a you know space for people to process right when i wrote the journal i mostly wrote it with um white folks in mind or people of color like non-black people of color who might um, have a little bit more um adjacent life experiences towards white folks and how they move through the world because we live in a racialized society um that really uh does treat you based on the way that you look Mm -hmm. and um which is unfortunate but it's just the truth so obviously the the darker you are the um, the more your experience and how you right. move through the world and, and how people treat you is going to be different. Mm-hmm. And so that means that there's people who do have proximity to whiteness um, mm-hmm. that could actually benefit from this journal and yeah. learn something and say, hey, you know what, maybe I do have that bias. You know, we all have to do some inner reflection. I don't think, you know, any of us can escape that. And it's just important to recognize. So the journal is really just offering people that mm-hmm. safe space because you're writing it and it's only you seeing it unless you choose to open up and you want to do it with a group, which I think is great as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people um, get nervous or scared yeah. and they don't want to share, you know, where some of these biases and thoughts originated from mm-hmm. and they don't really dig into it. But yeah. I felt like if, you know what, if you have a place where you can talk and it's just writing it down to yourself because I'm a big believer in journaling Um, and it's just you, then that can, you know, create an avenue to begin healing and processing some of these things that um, 
these messages maybe that you've ingested these biases towards other people right how do you respond when someone says something like i don't see color well i typically say if you don't see color then you don't see me right oh powerful in fact you're a person of faith like i am and i always think we weren't created by accident you know <laughs> those of us who, who feel like that we were divinely created feel like god purposely put us in this these different skin tones and looks mm -hmm. and i believe he god loves diversity and maybe this exterior is just a test of our hearts you know mm -hmm. mm. well what are the authors or author communities are you involved in and with and how do you think that they have helped you to become a better writer? Um, so I'm actually not formally in any author communities. I've joined a few like author groups um, on Facebook, um, mm -hmm. but I'm not like super, super engaged with them, but I have friends that are authors mm -hmm. and um, I've learned a lot from them and the ways that, you know, they kind of explained the publishing industry to me and, how things work and um, which was very beneficial especially mm -hmm. learning from other um, black women who have been published mm -hmm. and sharing their experience um, with the process you know I think it's a lot of work and also things are just different for, for black people mm -hmm. and the next layer is that things are just different for black women <laughs> um, I I, I feel really blessed though because I, I've had a, a really great experience with mm -hmm. my publisher and um, I've had such a great team and really supportive um, folks and um, I know that's not always the case for a lot of people mm -hmm. but I'm happy that it has been um, the case for me for sure. Yeah you went the traditional route so you had an you got an agent and and you got a traditional publisher tell me describe what that looked like like did you do millions of queries <laughs> did you bump into someone in an elevator and give them the elevator pitch how'd it go down um i actually i have a very different experience and i tell people this so um i, I always say like don't necessarily go off my experience per right. se because i don't think i did it the traditional way yeah completely I, um, in 2020, just, you know, people just approached me. So I had one network connection of, you know, somebody saying, Hey, I want you to talk to my agent. And I talked to them. Um, another person approached me via social media and another person approached me via email or something like that. Mm -hmm. All three of these were agents and I essentially kind of interviewed them to be honest with you wow. um to decide which agent i wanted to pick okay um they all were you know open and offering their services and interested in working with me um i just had to make a decision at the time with like who do i think is going to be able to help me sell the book that i want to write and who's right. going to give me the right connections and so I ended up picking um, Javon uh, Bolden from Embolden Media Group. Yes. And um, 
this was like i mean she had been doing it for a little bit but that i feel like she was still like earlier on in her um agenting i mean i think her business has grown a lot um mm-hmm. since i started with her and um yeah i just decided that i i wanted to work with a black woman and i i knew the book that i was writing was going to be specifically to black women mm-hmm. and so i felt like she would um be a really good fit to help me share and um you know get that message out into the world and and have the right connections to kind of help me with that so anyways um that's who I ended up going with and that's kind of how the process happened so that speaks to the power of social media and building the platform and even before the book and that's because because a lot of people have and I I'm guilty as charged would think, you know what? I'm going to write the book and then the masses are going to come. But it's actually the work before all of that that really counts. And and, and yeah, kudos to Embolden. I was signed with Embolden. I had an incredible agent there, um, Dr. Quintrella Ard. But her, I don't even remember the story of how she got into agenting, but she's in a whole different career. And so she ended up getting an incredible offer in her actual field and so um, I'm now without an agent but Embolden is fabulous um, Faith you're in really good hands and thank you for sharing that story because it is it is unusual for anybody of any color you know yeah but that just speaks to the power of our platform so tell what what platform do you think you really flourish in and how did that happen say Instagram probably yeah um you know it's hard to say because I I am um I've been posting on social media for a long time Mm -hmm. you know it started with MySpace and then it went to Zanga and Tumblr and (laughs) all of those things so I was on all of those things for many years. Is MySpace years. even still on? Is that a thing still? MySpace? It could be on, but I don't know who's on it, you know? Um, not sure, but I know my profile is probably been burned with whatever version it was back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I, uh, I... I spent a lot of time writing online for a long time, mm-hmm. blogs, all sorts yeah. of things. I've, I've done it. And I just think it just kind of steadily built over the years. I think mm-hmm. my writing really, really, really started to catch momentum in 2020 with the work that I was doing in activism and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest with you, I mean, I know people say, man, you're doing like social media. You've done so good. I feel like I, I feel like I could be doing so much more. Um, I feel like my page could be growing so much more. But to be honest with you, I have this like love hate with social media because yeah. um, you have to literally live on it. Yeah. For the algorithm to love you. Mm. And you have to um, also have strong opinions. You know, the algorithm does not love you to be happy people barely see your happy post but man oh man does that algorithm love rage it does you know yeah it oh man it loves controversy 
polarizing. Yeah. Mm-mm. I have to really be like saying a lot of challenging stuff, challenging things, mm. you know, speaking some real direct truths about racism and stuff like that, which I do do, but mm-hmm. you know, I want to be happy in my <laughs> real life. And you know, so sometimes I don't feel like talking about racism and yeah. white supremacy and how y'all trying to, you know, tear us down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to live my best black soft life. Um, while yes, understanding that we, we do have some injustices happening and there's some big things to address that I've been stewing on, um, with all the things going on in our, in our country right now. So, but I would say Instagram is definitely where I've been thriving over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just easy. It's easy. Mm -hmm. I think because I've been on it for so long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I suppose you have, like you said, longevity, consistency i'm hearing you you know speaking your truth um all of those things help to build that platform Mm -hmm. so how did how do you think publishing the first book helped you change or maybe not change your process of writing i think it's so different because those books are so different to me they're like in the category of their own one is more educational it's you know my first one was more educational more of a journal processing reflection Mm -hmm. I had been writing like journal like reflective content for a while Mm -hmm. um, before I published that so that feels really at home to me writing things like that I love journaling intentional you know things and I did a lot of things uh, writing and, and content around um setting your intentions things like that so that Mm -hmm. felt really easy to me but writing remember me now was a really more narrative storytelling and that was not Mm -hmm. a strength of mine I had to really really grow and flex that muscle and really Mm -hmm. learn um how to get better at it and oh I was determined (laughs) um because it takes a lot of you know it takes a lot of work and um that book took a lot of energy, but I wanted to have an engaging book. I had read so many nonfiction books mm-hmm. and especially nonfiction Christian books. Mm-hmm. And they read kind of like self-help guides yeah. to me yeah, and not necessarily like stories or mm-hmm. storytelling. And um, that just was not the book that I, you know, I wanted to put out to her. I wanted stories I wanted inspiration I wanted um you know I really loved like Brittany Cooper's book I can't think of the title right now um and there are just some other authors like black women authors that I really love their books and they um their books weren't you know Christian books by any stretch of the means but it was about their life it was it was um like a memoir and it was narrative storytelling and just really beautiful um works like of art and I just loved that so much so I um wanted to write a book that um that was like that and just made people feel like they were sitting down and and having coffee with me so um that's the book that I really worked to write for remember me now wow so so do you read your book reviews, the good, the bad, and the ugly? And if you do, how do you process that? 
I do read my book reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I haven't gotten enough to where I'm like, there's so many that now I can't <laughs> keep up. I don't feel like I've gotten a lot of book reviews. So I read them, you know. Um, I think that um, I've learned to kind of just take in constructive criticism Mm-hmm. And, you know, understand that, okay, if that's your perspective, then that's cool. Um, but I, yeah, I don't take it to heart. Mm-hmm. I, you have to, you can't, you can't take it to heart. And it's hard when you are writing something so personal. My book is so, so personal. And it's so hard not to take criticism personally. Yeah. But the truth is, is, you know, it's also, it's a, it's a body of work. Mm-hmm. It's its own body of art and everybody's going to approach it and receive it differently. Mm-hmm. That is honestly just a part of it. And that's okay. Yeah. So I, I anticipate you may have had friends and family read it. And if they did, were they surprised by any of the takeaways in the book? Um, I don't think they were surprised. I think they no. were um they were really excited. I mean, mm-hmm. my immediate family and my grandparents, because I talk about them in the book all knew what I said about them I like read it to them before it came out so it wasn't yeah. like I said anything that they hadn't um, approved of me being able to mm-hmm. say but um, all of them were cool with everything I said and then my family members who hadn't read the book before um, and then read it they also responded really positively and, and talked about how beautiful it was and you know how proud they were of me and how they saw themselves um in some of the experiences I shared and so yeah it was it was really cool it's been a great um it's been a great experience to have so much support from my family mm-hmm. it's meant a lot to me yeah so what was the best way you you felt um was a way to market your books effectively aside from what your publishing company may have done I mean, I think the best way to market your book is just to I mean you're you're the person that wrote it, so you can tell the story the best, you can yeah. sell it the best. It has to essentially become your um you know, I kinda like to say it kinda has to become like your Bible in a sense. Yeah. Like you gotta you gotta have it with you. <laughs> you gotta talk about it all yeah. the time and um if you're you know into social media it means that you're just you know kind of putting it out there and mm-hmm. putting it in in front of people and reminding them about it and mm-hmm. sharing positive feedback things like that I mean it's just you you know sells when you're selling something your sales do well whenever you talk about it Mm -hmm. um if you're not talking about your product you're not going to sell your product very much Mm -hmm. people that um have good business models and and good um profitability for whatever product they're selling nine times out of ten you have seen them talk about it every day probably Mm -hmm. multiple times a day Mm -hmm. and you're so sick of hearing about it that you just (laughs) buy it because you're like you know what i I need to see what this is all about because they won't yeah. shut up about it. So, um, I think you kind of have to be like that with the book, which is yeah. hard because, you know, you, you're you like, it's a work of art. It's beautiful. Yeah. You just have to crack it open. But the truth <laughs> is, like, people want to know a little bit more about what they're reading before they decide to buy the book. So. Yeah. And I anticipate they probably want to know a little bit about you. You know? Of course. Yeah. Um, 
So what, like, what, what does your schedule look like? About how many hours a day do you dedicate to writing? Well, right now I'm in like deep um, book promotion phase. So I've actually not been spending a lot of time writing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I am in the phase of writing, I usually find that my best times to write are very early in the morning. So mm-hmm. like 5 to 7 a.m. Usually it's two hours. I try mm-hmm. to get around five to 800 words mm-hmm. a day in if I'm really working on a book project. Okay, good. And what does complete literary success look like to you? Like you are the paint, the perfect life of literary success or Faith Brooks. What would that look like? Man, you know, I think there's like two answers that um, come to my head. Mm -hmm. There's the very reasonable response that's like, yeah, just really simple. And then there's the other response that we know most all authors authors aspire for, which is like, you want to have a bestseller, <laughs> you want to you want to be able to, you know, get a really big book deal and and have a multi book deal, right? And just be spend all your time writing book after book after book after book, right? Um, that would be an ultimate dream to be able to write book after book after mm-hmm. book in a in a multi year deal, um, mm-hmm. and to have a bestseller. Um, but I also think to the other side of that, mm-hmm. I feel like, especially with this book, with Remember Me Now, um, I mean, I think, I think it's really kind of hard to, to base your success in many ways and, and probably detrimental to our own mental health, to be honest with you, <laughs> to base the success of our book off of if it's a bestseller, because yeah. there's so many of our favorites books so many mm-hmm. of our favorite literary works of art that when they came out they were not bestsellers they yeah. might be bestsellers now right um you know especially mm-hmm. upon people's deaths like their books mm-hmm. have gone you know viral like you know yeah. um but i i really think the success is you having written something so powerful mm-hmm. that the words really do live beyond you mm-hmm. um not everybody can do that there's books that will um not be remembered when you're gone yeah there's books that will be and my hope is to write books that will be remembered um long after i'm gone that will make that much of an impact on the the literary space for black women black you know christian women and um inspire people to you know continue to chase after their dreams and to write so you know it's twofold there's that human side of me that's like you just want that big recognition (laughs) but um you know the truth is is that um if you write something and you're believing for it to make an impact and when you see that impact being made you know for me when I get text messages from women saying my I feel so seen I got this message from my friend I just gave them your book they feel so seen yes um that's all I wanted that's Mm -hmm. what I wanted I wanted black women to feel seen heard and valued and to see that happening day after day in a very beautiful like an organic way right it's um it's special it's a win and um that's what keeps me having the fuel to keep going 
And I think that just really speaks to the culture today. So many of us, we just want to be seen. We want to be heard. Uh, we want our our story to matter to other people. And I, what I hear you saying is that that story you want it you want it to live on as a legacy. Legacy, not just all about you, but to be a blessing to other people. You know, to to be vibrant and living and relevant for many years to come. And I, I, I just feel like that's so powerful. It's just a great place to write from. And so I thank you for that. And I, I'm, I'm really hoping that people of all colors uh, pick up your books and reach outside of their comfort zone. Um, you know, there are even people of color who struggle with issues with racism. You know, we all can have our biases. And so we all can benefit from a book like that. And people who are black women or love black women or want to love black women, <laughs> hey, that remember me now is a great way to do that. You know, um, about how long does it take you to write a book? I would say this book with editing probably took like ten months. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. And did you have a say in terms of your book cover and all of that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A big Was that say. A... And, and I helped create it. So, oh. um, yeah, I found an artist I really liked, Melissa Kobe, and um, she's the artist that was behind the artwork. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and then a friend and I kind of, started arranging how we thought Mm -hmm. the words should look on the cover and um yeah we made it happen yeah turned out great which dispels a myth a lot of times people feel that if they go traditional they have no say whatsoever in their cover but but they but you do you do have input you know they'll ask you what what kinds of in fact for the the publisher that i'm working with who's been great end game they asked me to submit, which I've yet to do, <laughs> book covers that I really love, right? Uh-huh. And, and I've just been creating this huge mass of book covers I really love. But I'm like, that, that's really cool because they are wanting your input. And this is not the first time that I've heard that. Now, you actually were able to include an artist that you liked and you identified with. And your cover is stunning. It's really beautiful Thank in that you. book. Yeah, it, it really does seem to reflect the theme of the book and that's that's important because covers are important people will choose a book by its cover for sure <laughs> so those things are valuable but I, I this has been so wonderful and enjoyable i feel re- refreshed and recharged i feel seen and that that really helps power me through a difficult and challenging world and um I just really want our um, listeners to stay in touch with you. So if you could just please share how is the best way to connect with the faith with two T's Brooks, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, well, you can find me on um, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, mm-hmm. all at faith B. So F A I T T H B it's the same for everywhere. So you can find mm-hmm. me there. Yeah. Any projects that you're working on right now? 
Um, not yet. I will be working on another writing project this year. I just have not started. Yeah. Um, and I'm really kind of, you know, starting to ponder on um, what I want to write about next, what I want my next book to be about. And um, so there's lots of things, you know, swirling around in my head that I'm thinking of. Um, So once I'm probably done with this um, kind of like book promotion phase, I I hope to spend a little bit more time sitting down, doing some writing and um, putting in some more book proposals and, you know, seeing where things go. Yeah, I love it. Well, you you have to keep us updated, and I really hope that this isn't the 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 last, the first and last time you don't come on here. We, we're hoping that you come on back and talk to us and share, um, update us about what's going on because I really feel that what you have to say is important for such a time as this. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Any any parting words you'd like to leave with our audience? I think I would just say if you, you know, want to write, if you want to create, and if you want that to be a part of your story, just do it. There isn't, um, you know, there's nothing holding you back. And even if you feel like maybe, um, maybe this isn't the right time, you know, keep writing anyways, because one day when the right time comes, you'll need those words. So um, just keep going. Yeah. And I love that you shared that you've been journaling for years I I'm a I also journal I there's no real rhyme or reason to some of them some of them you know I write from start to finish and some I'm I'm just dabbling and so um it's still writing and that just speaks to the importance of writing being consistent you never know where those words will end up and I'm glad that they ended up in the two powerful books that you wrote But Faith, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We learned so much from you. And I'm so thankful for the words that you speak, the truth that you give, and the tenderness that you offer to people, especially Black women. And so listeners, let's not forget to pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written word. 